You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Tim, got a new chair back here, my man. Look at this. You kidding me? Oh, snap. Yeah, Mandy came through in the clutch for Christmas. Uh, loving it. Like one of them uh, Formula One race car exactly. chairs right there, man. Gonna come in tomorrow with a race helmet on. You know what I mean? Have the whole nine yard, have the Hans device, have me strapped down to the chair. You know what I mean? We'll be ready to roll gloves and all. Nah, but uh, we're uh, we're excited to get in here and talk about the Vikings game coming up. I think it's going to be a, an interesting matchup. There's so many different storylines to to kind of feed into. You know, they're battling a ton of injuries. Some people are going, yeah, so are we. I I kind of I'm kind of looking at it to be honest with you, Tim. Like, you know what? I feel like we're in better shape than them injury wise. I mean, they're missing their starting quarterback. They just lost their starting tight end, and this is a a you know grizzled tight end. Some would say one of one of the top five tight ends in the league. You know, with Hawkinson going out with the, I think it was the ACL, MCL, might have been a PCL too. Multiple. I think it was everything but the PCL. Yeah. So I he's mean, got it, some of his knee left. Um, a thing to watch too in real time. You know, thank good, thank God his his foot didn't get hung in the turf. But uh, still, man, you could just see that thing kind of. It was ugly, but uh, nonetheless. We've got, like I said, a ton to talk about. Let's start start off with the injuries here too. Well, let's go to the chat real quick. I apologize. I just want to give a shout out to everybody. We got Omer in here hanging out. We got Sam in the house. Carly Ray, United Bates, Derek K. Sorry if I say them twice. We got Jim in here. Good morning, Jim. Good to see you, buddy. Nick McSwain in the house. Drew D. The whole the whole crew up in here hanging out. We appreciate y'all making us a part of your morning. It's always good to to chat with y'all. So let's uh. Let's try to stay on topic. Let's be in me. Okay. I'm talking to myself here. I'm going to try to stay on topic. We're going to get through this. We got a ton to cover. Um, first things first, we're going to hit on Jair Alexander. No, I'm just joking. Um, Rob Domoski tweeted out the injury. Put up the coffee, man. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday, uh, injuries dropped. Obviously, we didn't get to it on the show, but Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks both practiced. This is from Rob Domoski on Twitter. You'll give him a follow at Rob Domoski. Um, Reed did not play at all. 
play at Carolina, and Wicks with the chest injury uh, got hurt during the game with the chest injury, I should say. However, Christian Watson stayed inside after stretching, although he had a helmet. Other DMPs, Campbell, Jenkins, and then uh, returned with Savage. So Darnell Savage is back at practice. Now, if we look at the injury report altogether here, just want to key in on the uh, the most important aspects, okay? So they did not participate. So Devondre Campbell, I think we would all agree he's probably not going to play, right? Elton Jenkins did not participate, the shoulder and the knee. This is pretty much how it's been on Wednesdays all year long, if I remember correctly. It seems like he takes Wednesday off. Thursday's limited. Then he's back at practice on Friday. I'm expecting uh, Elton to play for sure. And then, of course, you've got the did not participate Christian Watson with the hammy, like we mentioned. Wicks did not participate with the chest slash ankle injury. I'd be surprised if Wicks doesn't go. Hopefully he's okay. Um, Jaden Reed being back, that's huge. Got the toe injury in the chest. Um, it's not COVID toe, everybody. Calm down. It's not that big of a deal, all right? But uh, as far as the limiteds, you know, A.J. Dillon, Kingsley and Igbari, Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave, Jonathan Owens, Jaden Reed, Robert Rochelle, Darnell Savage, again, he returned but limited. T.J. Slayton limited with a knee and a foot. And then, of course, Quay Walker limited with the shoulder, um, which uh, someone did point out. I thought this was kind of cool. I love that people were reaching for positives. I think it was Steve Cook on Twitter, uh, uh, tweeted at me uh, a Ross Uglum tweet and Quay Walker I think is in the top three or the top five uh, according to tackle grade on PFF which is good you notice we haven't shown him missing tackles much this year no. probably knock has been the run defense the run gap fit all that and the coverage grade you know he was I think he graded out in run defense in the 80s and according to uh, PFF in coverage he was like 127 so that took a step back but the tackling got shored up um, that's how he's Got high tackle numbers again. Just something to kind of monitor there. Um, you, you're seeing him sure up the tackling ability, which we knew he made a lot of tackles last year. It's always been his strength. But uh, you still seen quite a bit of missed tackles last year. There was just a lot of opportunities. So um, just to kind of keep our finger on the pulse there. When we look at the Minnesota Vikings side, did not participate Jordan Addison. That's huge if he doesn't play. I'm assuming he's not going to play. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Um, uh, cornerback, uh, I think it's Makai Blackman. Um, did not participate. Sheldon Day, defensive lineman, was limited. Uh, Troy Dye was uh, limited as well. Theo Jackson, safety, did not participate. As well as, uh, see, Alexander Madison was limited with the ankle. Byron Murphy, Jr., with the knee, did not participate. Um, Naylor at wide receiver did not participate. And let's see who else is on here. Of course, we we know that Hawk is not on this list because he's now on our uh, season-ending Injury there with the with the knee injury. Harrison Phillips, defensive tackle, limited participation. And then uh, Jaquelin Roy, I think is how you say it, ankle injury on the defensive line. Interior defensive lineman did not participate. So they're dealing with injuries as well. Not as long a list of ours, but several of theirs obviously already on the hour are not popping up here. Anything stick out to you before we move on to uh, kind of the preview of this game, Tim? Um, yeah, Jordan Addison. Um, that's, that's definitely one to watch because uh, – you know, we talk a lot about Justin Jefferson up there, but he's not their only their only threat as a wide receiver. Um, of course, the quarterback issues might might help us in that in that category as far as uh, who's throwing these uh, receivers the ball. But um, yeah, you're right not as not quite as long a list as as we have here in Green Bay, and also uh, seems like most of their issues seem to be on the defensive side of the ball. I see a lot of a lot of linebackers, defensive tackles, corners. You know, if you look at our report, it's a little more balanced, but probably a little more offense on that, <laughs> that injury report. But uh, I don't know. It's almost like a 60-40 split with ours. But 
we have a lot of limited participants, which is a good sign. Usually gearing up towards game day, those guys that are limited will probably go full and uh, or stay limited and then end up, you know, active on game day. Um, the, di- the do not participates are the ones you got to watch. So Minnesota's got more of those than we do. So keep our eye on this as the, the week progresses. Definitely. Tim Rees in the chat. Appreciate you swinging through, buddy. He says, do they drop Jair off the injury list when he was suspended? So every time that Jair gets mentioned today, we know it's going to take people off when to hit them with this. Uh-huh. Every single time. So now um, I imagine we won't know the answer. I think I understand what you're asking there, Tim. It's like, okay, is he no longer technically injured or did they drop him off because he's suspended? Um, we'll find out next week, right? If he pops back up on the injury list, great. Once the suspension's over, I imagine that suspension ends after the game Sunday because it was just for – it didn't say we're suspending him for a week, right? It said we're suspending him for the game on Sunday. So, um, with that being said, we'll probably know by Monday – well, when the next injury report drops next Wednesday whether he's, you know, healthy or not. And I will say this. If if he all of a sudden is magically healthy after the suspension, then I think we would all agree there was – there might have been a little bit of that what, uh, what we were talking about, you know, that – that some people were mentioning behind the scenes been no merit to it to this point, but it could be the case. So just another example there of people berating me about not wanting to talk about Jair Alexander. And then the chat, it's Alexander. So yeah, uh, Judy in the chat says, even if Addison plays, he might not be effective being a speedy wide receiver with an ankle ish issue. Yeah. He's a pretty good route runner. Drew. I agree with that. Even if he does play, it's going to be in a limited fashion, but, you know how it is, man. They get a shot in that in that ankle, Tim, and next thing you know, boy, they're they're right back to normal. I remember who was it was talking about. I think it was Favre was talking about when Reggie White hurt him, right? Hurt his uh, shoulder the year before Reggie came to Green Bay, landed on him and, and separated his shoulder. Favre said his shoulder was like down underneath his chest plate or whatever, and like he had completely separated. He said they shot it up. He said, "Man, this feels great. Like I can't feel anything." This was on his non-throwing shoulder, obviously, but. He said it was just cracking and popping every time he moved it because it's still out of place. But that shot numbed it so much that he could go out and play. It's just wild to me. So you never know with some of the, the medical stuff here. They may be able to give him a shot in that ankle. It, go out there it and be just shows you what being a football player is, right? I mean, yeah, just numb it. I'll be fine. It's like, well, you're not. It's still all jacked up. You just don't <laughs> feel it, you know? And you're willing to go out there and just bang heads like that is, yeah, man. I always say that people talk about what a great quarterback Brett Favre was. Brett Favre was a football player, man. You know, just a a football player. Carly Ray in the chat says, uh, would be a great drinking game for an evening show. Uh, What is Jair's birthday? Do you think green is Jair's favorite color? Oh, yeah. (laughs) All the way down the line. So I got to hit you with three of those real quick. Now we got that out of the way. Let's keep it moving here. So uh, let's see. As far as the PFF preview, right, and the preview of the game itself, I just want to mention real quick, quick shout-out to BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. Appreciate them jumping on board with us. Um, again, they're uh, America's favorite sports book, been in business since, uh, since 1994, been doing it for a long time. Appreciate them, like I said, partnering up. There's a link in the description of this video if you want to support the show. Uh, by spending $0, you just click on that link, go to their website, using that link, register for free as a customer, and that puts us in better standing with BetUS because you use that specific link. We appreciate them again. When you look at the spread just overall, it still hasn't changed according to PFF's green line. Again, BetUS hadn't changed as of last night. 
The Vikings are still two-point favorites at home. You can find those odds on BetUS right here at negative 110 for both the plus two and the minus two, whether you're picking the Packers or the Vikings there. Over-under set 46.5. Going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Again, that's BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access. Now, when we look at the breakdown here, Tim, to kind of get into the details, Vikings offense, let's start on the Vikings offensive side of the ball. Many people are asking, okay, how do they attack defenses, kind of what's their MO, that type of thing. When we look at the personnel they stay in, all right, they're in 21 personnel 7% of the time. That's 10th highest in the league, 21 being two running backs, one tight end, which will obviously trigger our 34 defense base, okay. 11 personnel, they're in 64% of the time. That is 18th most in the league. And then 12 personnel, they're in 22% of the time, which is 13th most. So this is a very multiple approach, okay. Some people are going, what's the big deal, man? When you play 12 personnel as opposed to 21 personnel, both of those trigger your 34 base. You're absolutely right. But the issue is when there's there's an old saying, like LaFleur said earlier this year, one, one back equals one gap. Two backs equals two gap. Okay? So it, it's, it comes down to how you're going to play the run. Is someone responsible for just one gap or are they responsible for two? It really adds a different dimension to the running game when you've got two backs in the backfield. And some teams are kind of clinging to that a bit. Vikings are one of those with, uh, you know, running the 10th most in the league. Now, the problem is when they're in 21 personnel, their EPA drops all the way down to 24. Now, some people are saying, what is EPA? You'll hear me mention it from time to time. It's not my favorite metric. What you'll find is you've got some people that watch the tape, right? You've got some people that lean on EPA. They tweet about it all the time. You've got others that tweet about PFF all the time. You, you know, what I find happening, and it's not to judge people, fan how you want. You know what I mean? I'm just, from my perspective, the reason I don't try to put too much stock in all of those or or one individual, and I like to take them all into consideration, is because EPA is expected points added, okay? It's basically a range in which they're going to grade um, a play, each play. You know, it's said that it goes from negative 14 all the way up to plus 10 on each play. Now, I, it's very rare I've seen a negative 14 when I've kind of looked into it. It's like, well, don't don't focus so much on the negative 14. I've heard some people say it's actually just negative 7 is the peak. I don't think that's the case either. Nonetheless, it doesn't factor in the specifics. And what I mean by that, like, for instance, one of the examples they use on their glossary there on their site, uh, when I say they, SIS uses EPA religiously. Um, this right here, this information I just pulled came from the 33rd team. They lean on SIS data religiously. You see the EPA rankings and all that, right? All their data, to the best of my knowledge, comes from SIS. They have a partnership with SIS, which is a great website. It's a, just another tool we can use, right? So it doesn't factor in the specifics. Like, for instance, if you had an, if you got all the way down to the opponent's one-yard line, right, and let's say that that you throw an interception and it, it's a pick six return. That's the worst case scenario. And, you know, theoretically speaking, should be a negative 14 EPA on that play, right? Because it factors in what's expected on that play. The problem is that interception, Tim, I don't mean to be long-winded. I just want to explain this real quick because I don't want to just go EPA, EPA, and people not understand what it is. If you, if you throw a pick six on the one-yard line, it can be a perfectly accurate throw. And it hit off your receiver's hands, bounce up in the air, and a corner pick it off and take it for six. Guess what? The EPA is the maximum penalty that you can give on that play. You see what I'm saying? Like, as where PFF would look at that and go, that was an accurate throw. He did everything that he was supposed to do there. So right. that's why it's important to take this stuff into consideration. That's why if you look at our defense, according to EPA, and on the 33rd team, it's graded out horrible all year long. 
But when we turn on the tape, this is where the tape comes in. And typically the people who like to lean on EPA cringe at someone talking about watching the tape because they're too lazy to go watch the tape is really what it comes down to. But if you if you take all that into consideration, then you can see where they can conflict with each other. We yeah. turn on the tape and we go, okay, blown coverage, this, that, the other, right? People see the EPA and they think, okay, this is a, this is a horrible defense because of the coaches. Partly, yes. But as far as on the field, there's blown assignments. There's missed tackles, all of those things. So it all has its place. That's why we try to cover all three, the tape, the PFF, the EPA, former players' opinion, all that. We try to cover it here. So when you look at the EPA rankings, 21 personnel, they're ranked 24th, okay? when With 11 personnel, they're ranked 13th, so slightly better. Significantly, had, They've had significantly more success out of 11 personnel, and then with 12, it's at 20th. So you're seeing when they trigger a base a base defense, whether it's their 21 or their 12, they're not as effective as if they're in 11. So I say that because when you combine those two, you're looking at 29% of the snaps. Theoretically speaking, 29% of the snaps this Sunday is going to be have our base defense on the field. Something to keep in mind. Now, is it clicking with you why you end up with Preston Smith covering Justin Jefferson? Because yep. we're in 34 base a larger majority of the time against a team like the Vikings. And what they like to do is they like to come out and empty it out occasionally. They'll run a 12 or a 21, empty the backfield out. Guess what happens in that situation? Unless you want to be minus one in coverage, an outside linebacker is going to have to drop into coverage. It's just important to mention those things. So go ahead, Tim. They're going to try and take us out of nickel or keep us out of nickel to utilize, you know, those match in their in their targets. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And and that's that's why I get frustrated when people go, oh, Joe Barry's an idiot. He's got Preston Smith out there covering him going. This happens all across the league. I showed four or five different clips of this happening to other 34 base defenses across the league. And then it immediately goes, you're not trying to compare TJ. You're, I can't believe you're comparing TJ Watt to Preston Smith. I'm like you missed the whole point, bud. Yeah. The point is there. TJ you have Watt. a better argument arguing uh, four three versus three four concepts, right? Like TJ Watt is not an inside linebacker. They didn't go into that week going, "All right, TJ, here's the plan, buddy. We want you covering the seam." <laughs> it was a specific situation where they went trips to one side. They're in a thirty four base zone, and guess what? Unless you want to go down, unless you want to be minus one on that side of the ball, TJ's got to drop into coverage there because it's a cover three call. So. That's that's how you end up with those specific situations. Now, if you mention it on Twitter, you're just defending Joe Barry. I'm just saying that's that's how you get to that point. As long as the 34 defense will be a thing in the NFL, I don't think it's going anywhere. John Madden, to the best of my knowledge, invented it back in the 70s, and it's stuck ever since. Unless the 34 defense just magically disappears, you're always going to have situations where the offense will manipulate the personnel, empty out the backfield, and make your outside linebacker have to cover from time to time. It's what Kevin Green had to do back in the day. Greg Lloyd had to do it as he played Sam uh, the majority of the time there. that These are the things, maybe not the majority, he played a lot of will too, but these are the things that come into factor when you're running a zone 34 defense. And this is why we we put a priority on athletic uh, linebackers and, and guys mm-hmm. that, you know, have the, the physical attributes to do what is what is asked, really. I mean – yeah, Preston Preston Smith is uh, getting up there in in his uh, in football years, you know, kind of like dog years, right? So, uh, but his athleticism is what keeps him on the field. You know, he's still an athletic um, edge, and uh, you know, 
doesn't do half bad in coverage sometimes, guys. You know, we've got to ease up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Put him in the slot, man. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh it, it just I cringe every time I see the screen grabs, man. I cringe. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, gosh. And and it I'm the type of person like if I see someone else tweeting on their wall, I'm not gonna go knock on their door and go, Hey, you you understand why they're doing that, right? I won't do that. If somebody asks me, of course I'll answer the question. But I, you know, I, I don't it, whether someone's wrong or not, or they they maybe don't quite understand that concept. It has nothing to do with me going over and knocking on their door and going, "Hey, let's talk about this." Like right. somebody asked me, of course we'll have a conversation. But the problem I have is when I put it up on my my Twitter page, "Hey, look, here's why it's happening," and then people attack me. But that's that's not going to fly. Let's go ahead and hit that block. Let's move on. Block. Move on. If you want to have a logical conversation, I'm down with it. But I'm not going to sit there and argue with people, like like Matt Ramage said. Matt Ramage just mutes them. I like blocking them because I want them to know, bro. You're not getting any of this content anymore. Okay. You want to be in, you want to be about said a bad word. You want to be rude, then <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get it. Okay. It's, it's, it's that simple. You're not happy with it. I'm not going to give it to you. It's yeah. a win win. But Matt Ramage puts them on mute and he always posts that gif of people talk, that guy having a conversation with the brick wall. I love that. <laughs> so it's like they don't even realize he can't see them talking. That's probably the more, uh, I want to say that's the more, uh, mature way to handle it but it really isn't to be honest with you <laughs> i would rather go hey look we're parting ways but ramage is awesome i love that guy uh, all right so let's talk about offensive identity um for the vikings they're in shotgun 53 percent of the time i'm hoping i get these correct it's really really blurry i'm gonna kill my cam so i can get close here real quick um so they're in shotgun 53 percent of the time that's the dead last in the league guys so they're in the gun the dead last amount which is still 53 percent of the time kind of shows you the direction the league has gone. They're under center, obviously, 47% of the time. They're under center the most in the league, guys, in the league. So that kind of puts things into perspective of when we talk about the Shanahan system, everybody goes, well, this is supposed to be – you notice how that talk about Aaron Rodgers not refusing to run the Shanahan scheme, and they couldn't wait to see Matt LaFleur's offense because Rodgers just wants to stay in shotgun. And I kept going, guys – He's closer to uh, to Sean McVay than he is Kyle Shanahan. And Sean McVay uses the heck out of shotgun. This is what I was talking about. You've got Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota who comes from the same coaching tree. He's under center most in the league. So just because you're from the same coaching tree doesn't make it the same exact approach to that. The terminology is the same. That's why quarterbacks can hop in and out of those offenses and from team to team that's run them. The ter- terminology is the same. Um, yep. of the plays, the passing concepts are exactly the same. They're just doing it after out of different sets, different looks. The illusion of complexity with simplicity at the base. That's Bill Walsh 101. All of these young coaches have come up through that, yep. that Bill Walsh tree. And every coach is going to have their own, you know, twist on things. It's like we talk about with, you know, we talk about that on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Barry's running his version of a Fangio type defense. You know, you're going to put your own your own take on anything. For sure. So under center, the most bookmark that, right? Motion. They run motion 50% of the time. That's 16th most in the league. Okay. So they don't do that very often. Um, Or about middle of the pack, I should say. Gap run. Their gap run 24% of the time. That's 30th in the league. Their zone run uh, 76% of the time. And that is third highest in the league. What do we, what do you guys hear me refer to this offense as, this type of offense? Wide zone boot right? 
that's what's so frustrating about us getting away from the zone run in our own run scheme. Now, last week it worked great against, I think we would all agree, a pretty solid defense, right? I remember going to that game, everybody was talking about how good this defense is, man. Packers going to going to struggle here against this defense. They go out there and score 33 points. Pretty impressive. Um, but, again, zone run 76% of the time, third most in the league. Play action, they play action 30% of the time. That's third most in the league. Drop back uh, is uh, 70% of the time. That's 30th in the league and just drop back. You're going to see a lot of play action from under center is what we're going to see here. Um, now, as far as them facing man, they face man coverage 27% of the time. That's 11th most in the league versus zone uh, 58% of the time. That's 20th most in the league versus the blitz 27. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Zone was 59% of the time, uh, 20th in the league. These are so small versus the blitz 27% of the time. That's 10th most in the league. Uh, they're under pressure 36% of the time. That's 18th most in the league. Short drop 30th in the league deep drop second in the league. So they like the deep drops for sure. Now, when you look at the EPA, remember we just explained EPA. It's a result-based metric, okay? We need to put that into perspective. But when you look at EPA, let's kind of focus on the the positives real quick. When they run no motion, they actually have the fourth highest EPA in the entire National Football League. Okay, you're kind of seeing, okay, what do they do well here, right? Then we'll go through the negatives. Here's a, a ninth best, ninth best on drop back. So when they go no motion and drop back, they're having quite a bit of success according to EPA, right? And then deep drop, their deep drop game, they're fourth most in EPA, in highest EPA. Now, what do they do bad? Let's go to the 22nd number here. When they use motion, right, their EPA is 22nd in the league. So they're not very successful on plays that they use motion. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Uh, gap run, when they run gap run, you want to know why they run zone heavy? On gap run, they're dead last in EPA when they run gap, when they have a gap run system, okay? Or scheme, I should say. Zone run, they're 13th. So you can see how it significantly improves there. Something else they're kind of bad at down here at the bottom, their short drop game. So what you're seeing, Tim, heavy play action, a lot of under center, right? This is how they approach the offensive side of the ball. And when they don't use uh, motion, they're having the most success. So if I were on that coaching staff and I'm looking at a self-scouting system, okay, here's what here's what's going wrong, guys. It would, it would kind of determine to me that, hey, all right, I would, I would come to the determination of, all right, what do we want to do? What, what are we most successful at? All right, let's eliminate most of the motion here, okay? And let's do, let's play the drop back game, right? Because you're not an EPA and deep drop game. So what defense would be best to defend that? This is from a coaching point. So forget the stats. The stats may say something totally different. We're talking about EPA ranking and how a coach looks at a game plan going into that week. You probably suggest you play a little quarters. People are cringing right now, going, oh, God, we're going to give up 500 yards. Yeah, and you might only give up 17 points. Remember, we were doing that weeks ago before we decided to go man heavy. Last week we went man heavy. How did that work out? Yep. We didn't have our players. You had Jair Alexander, thought he was all world. I hope, just- I hope we're as close to what <laughs> – I know this sounds crazy, but 59% and 27%. I hope that's about where we're at. Hope we're yeah. in zone about 60% of the time. Right. It's going to you be know. interesting to see how Joe Barry attacks this because you don't have Jair out there, right? Yeah. The, I think we'd all agree before Jair came back, the defense was playing. Now, listen, they struggled all season long at times, but yeah. you guys heard us talking about this. The defense was really amping up, right? And the, the Joe Barry critics were – yeah, man, this offense is the problem. People don't want to acknowledge this offense is the problem. That that actually happened. You can, unless they've deleted the tweets, I'm sure they all have it. You could tell that happened throughout the season. There was a point when all we were talking about was how bad this offense was, and it's kind of flip flop now. And we talked about when Savage gets healthy, is it going to upset the way these DBs are playing? It's kind of what happened. And it's not to put the blame on Savage. It's just it's obvious Joe Barry approaches the game plan different when he's got his quote unquote starters out there. You know why? He plays it safer when he's having to play with the young guys, and that's the true bend but don't break approach. Last week, the opposite of bend but don't break. That's funny how the people two weeks ago who were ranting and raving over bend but don't break broke, the bend but don't break broke. Last week we went aggressive with blitz and man coverage. Did it break? And which game which game turned out worse for the defense? It's just yep. it's worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning. So, all right, with that being said, let's get into the PFF preview. Um, when we look at it from this perspective, Tim, this is our 34 base. So this is them in 12 personnel, okay? It didn't give me the option to go 21, which this essentially may be their 21. I'm not real familiar with Oliver and whether he plays the H when they're in 21. It may be something, too, that those 21 numbers are when they put their H in the backfield and they just consider him a fullback. It might be that they have a true fullback. I'm not interested enough in the Vikings to dig in and go, okay, how effective is their fullback? That's just not me. Ain't going to happen. Um, so when you look at their front, against our base 34. Darisol on the left is the fourth highest graded tackle in the league at 83.5. He's an absolute stud. You've got Reisner at left guard, 57.6. 
Bradbury at center, 63.5. Ingram at right guard, 60.9. And O'Neal at right tackle, 74.8. He's the 18th highest graded tackle. So you've got two high-quality starting caliber tackles on that offensive line. Their weakness is obviously in the middle, right, between the center and, and more specifically the guards. Keep that in mind. Now, when you look at our defensive front, our front five, and I'm going to include Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary in that because essentially they are defensive ends, although some people still refuse to acknowledge that. Preston Smith, 70.9. Kenny Clark, 67.9. TJ Slayton, 62.6. Devontae Wyatt, 62.1. And you got Rashawn Gary at a 79.3. That's how they match up. Throw the tight ends into the mix who are going to be chipping and blocking from time to time. You got Munt. At your uh, as your starting tight end there with our boy out now um, with Hawk out sixty eight point six that's how they've got it listed so it kind of tells me maybe Oliver is an H back um, he's the eighth highest graded tight end the fact they don't have him listed as the number one tight end in the twelve personnel probably suggests he might be playing H seventy seven point one that's someone who's uh, being schematically sound you you don't get that high of a PFF grade and be bad at blocking so. Um, I'm sure he's uh, he's playing at a stud level. It might be the key piece that, that's making that thing go, which is kind of what we're seeing. He's not grading out quite that high, but you're seeing Tucker Craft kind of fit that mold a little bit for us here lately. Josiah DeGuara not panning out has really hurt Matt LaFleur's offense. And with that being said, his offense is still continuing to grow and get better every week. That's pretty impressive. Man. So when you look at the front five versus their front five and attach the tight ends as well, Tim, anything stick out to you, Buck? Yeah, the interiors of these lines, both sides of the ball, um, pretty evenly matched there. Their their guards and their center versus our our big dogs in the middle there, Slayton Clark and and Devontae Wyatt. So um, you know, and the, the they are they're they look pretty solid there at their tackles. Um, so as far as the edge rushing goes, I mean, I, I think, you know, we gotta win in the trenches. I know we say this every week. It's true every week, but you know, we need we need games out of Kenny and TJ and Devontae Wyatt. If we can get that pressure in the middle and be stout in the middle of that line uh i think it can create uh, opportunities for us um but um you know our secondary you know you see you know osborne's no joke as a receiver i mean he's not lights out um grading out at a 55 but you know you got justin jefferson over there um you know and it it does make me a little i'm not going to use the word nervous but you know proceed with caution we got rookie corner and a rookie safety back there uh with justin jefferson running wild so it'll be uh It'll be a defense by committee over there on that side of the ball uh, every down for sure. But I, I do think, um, you know, looking at this right here, it's going to come down to our guys in the trenches in the middle. Yeah, it, it always does too, man. That's why it's so important. It's so important yep. to make sure that you've got the right guy in the right place. I'm trying to pull this up, but someone asked a question in here about Oliver, you know, um, dead fish says Oliver, the eighth tight end. Who is he? I've got his profile pulled up here right now on PFF. Like I said, 77.1, uh, grading out I'm trying to see where his snaps were taken. If I could find it real quick, um, without too much dead air here, it's going to be hard to, to pull this off though. I do agree with the, the sentiment that, you know, month over there, their other tight end might be utilized more, um, you know, in their run game, as opposed to uh, the passing attack, like you were saying, you know, maybe as a an H-back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see if we could find where he lines up, and I, I can't find it here. So uh, I was hoping that we, you know, as far as snap counts, I'm sure there's a way to do it here on PFF. I just don't have time to, to do it in real time. But as far as, you know, snap count in general, it sounds like he's played quite a bit. I mean, he, he's not fitting the H-back role for sure, 6'5", 259". 
uh, right. maybe he has had a, a limited amount. I mean, when you look at the snaps, yeah, as you're looking at the snap count here, I'm just going to rattle them off weeks one through seven, uh, one through 16, dead fish. 13, 7, 14, 14, 8, 15, 14, 21, 12, 19, 22, 10, 16, 21, and 7. Only 213 snaps on the year. So it sounds like he might be that H-backer, that U, um, you know, that second tight end, uh, which explains why PFF has him where they're at. This, this kind of feels like, honestly, Dave Fish, this feels like they're Rudy Four. It's like he continues to grade out high, and it's like, why the heck ain't he on the field more? <laughs> so Right. But, again, without watching too much Vikings tape, it's hard to tell. Um, all right, running back. Just want to mention Chandler is listed as their starting running back, grading out pretty good, 74.6. That's pretty solid. Nick Mullins at quarterback, 52.9. Um, if he plays, obviously they got Josh Dobbs. They got another option there as well. So, um, you know, it depends on who they're going to start at, at quarterback. No matter who they start at quarterback, I, I promise you PFF does not have a high grade on them, okay? Now, that doesn't mean anything, right? Um, anything can happen on any given Sunday. It's all about the game plan, playing to the strengths of the quarterback. I will say this about Nick Mullins. I hope Nick Mullins plays. Listen, he could light you yeah. up 400 yards. I remember when he – I think it was in San Francisco one year. Maybe it was the Rams. I can't remember where he was at. Had a huge game. Everybody was like, who's Nick Mullins? And then next thing you know, the next game he's throwing three interceptions. That's the type of player he is. So that would suggest bend but don't break, let him make a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. And, and watch for a heavy dose of the outside zone run with this Absolutely. team. You know, and then Mullins trying to get some things going. But, yeah, I mean, we're we're in a good position if, you know, we want him throwing the ball, you know, because eventually he's going to make that mistake. And like I said, if our interior can play good and get some pressure in his face, um, you know, that's going to create opportunities for turnovers. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, yeah, it looks like Dan Fish done some digging, too. He said Oliver averages, averages a little over a reception a game. He's got to be their age. He's got to be their age. Um, so – all right. With that being said, inside linebackers on our on our defensive side of the ball, Quay Walker, fifty eight point four, Isaiah McDuffie, fifty six point three, the seventy first out of eighty two linebackers, and the seventy fourth out of eighty two linebackers. So they're continuing to struggle uh, there in the middle. Let's hope they have a big game now. When we go to the secondary, let's go ahead and trigger up their eleven personnel. Okay, to our nickel defense, you add Powell into the slot at a 63.9. On the boundary, you've got the superstar, Justin Jefferson, 90.9, third highest graded uh, wide receiver in the league. you got Osborne on the other side. He grades out really low, but that dude, it just seems like every time you watch a Vikings game, he's making a big play. He just It's obvious he's inconsistent. That's the big thing about PFF is that if you're inconsistent, that you're going to look like you're one of the worst wide receivers in the league. That's just kind of how things grade out there from a season standpoint. He's the 105th of 122 wide receivers. So with that being said, Justin Jefferson, that's the guy you got to stop. Stop the running game. Like you said, Tim, they like to play under center and stop Justin Jefferson. Um, how do you do that? You got to have players who are smart enough within the scheme to be able to bracket cover him if you're going to try to take him away when you're playing primary zone defense. Now, if they stick with man coverage, hold on tight. Right. If if you're going to play heavy man and you have uh, him follow, like, by the way, last week we had Jair in the slot seven snaps. He's only played in the slot 15 times this year. So he he pretty much that's the most of any game this year that he's played in the slot and he got torched. So is Valentine that guy to follow him? I don't know. I kind of feel like you want to go back to want to revert back to your zone match scheme here. Play a lot of cover three, put the safety in the box. You don't have to play shell, stop the run. 
play one gap when they go to 20 when they go to 21 looks and they put two gaps in the back you got to go to two gap put that extra guy in the box which I know people don't believe it but Joe Barry has done this year we've showed it time and time again on Chalk Talk um, the problem that I have though man when we when we look at this matchup across the board whew, Valentine 59.9 Keyshawn Nixon 57.5 Eric Stokes 51.5 Eric Stokes is about to dip into the 40s guys I am so sick and tired of hearing We've got a bunch of first-round picks because just because you're a first-round pick doesn't make you a great player. I'm not here to dog, but – and it's okay he's battling an injury. His, his grade last year was in the 50s, if I remember correctly, before he got hurt. Like at some point we've got to acknowledge, okay, maybe this is who he is. This – I hate to say it, but, I mean, guys, we're in weeks – what is this, week 16, 17? 17, right? Week 17. At some point we got to acknowledge this might be Kevin King again. Right. I'm just saying, like, huge athletic profile, but my goodness, man. And what I remember seeing on tape last year with Stokes was in man coverage. He couldn't locate the ball. Yeah. And what's crazy is you turn on his SEC tape and he could locate the ball. And it's just like all of a sudden, you know, I know the NFL is a whole different beast, right? And you got much, you know, much quicker wide receivers. And that can, you know, kind of, it doesn't free you up to play at your fastest. I get all that. But you're seeing a big issue, big issue with this cornerback room. Now, granted, you go across the board, Valentine's seventh-round pick, Keyshawn Nixon, still don't know where he was drafted, honestly. Kind of picked him up off the off the trash heap there two years ago, and we're trying to force him into that slot. It's not working out in case you guys need help understanding that. I don't think you do. I think you're looking at this going, eh, this is ugly. And then Eric Stokes underperforming. Jonathan Owens, the free, the free agent signing. We said last year, guys, or going into this offseason, he's the only other safety that graded out. I think he graded out worse than Darnell Savage, or it was vice versa. They were the two lowest-graded safeties, according to PFF, in the entire league last year that had a significant enough amount of snaps to qualify for that list. He is showing you exactly what he is. Good tackler. Had some, had some decent games, right? Yep. 58.5. Anthony Johnson Jr., people want to dogpile on him. I'm proud of Anthony Johnson Jr. just going after and trying to hold his own as a seventh-round pick. I just don't understand why Rudy Ford is not starting at free safety. It makes no sense to me. Yep. Anthony Johnson Jr., 44.0. So Yeah, I agree. Great. I agree with that. I think Rudy's our best foot forward on that side. Yep. And I'm well, an Anthony Johnson Jr. fan. I've been talking about him since camp. But I do think he needs time to develop. And I know it's hard to develop if you're not on the field. But, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, though. I mean, any given Sunday, right, Clay? I mean, we could get we could get pleasantly surprised here and uh, see some good performances. That's what we're hoping for, you know. And, and hey, no better time to peak than right now, right, and play yeah. your best ball. Let's, let's hope that they could do that. Um, I'm going to try to look at Go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm with you, though. We need minimal man. I mean, you got to pepper in some man here and there, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't make that a point of emphasis. You're going to get lit up. You're going to get lit up in man yeah. coverage. Omer uh, points out in the chat that that Keyshawn Nixon was an undrafted free agent. So just to kind of confirm that, he wasn't even drafted. Um, we're trying to patch this thing together with guys. And, 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 you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you're missing on first-round picks. It's like you swing in the first round. They're either a first-round pick 
or their seventh or undrafted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like there's hardly anything in between. Um, Doug says, Owen's stacking some decent, not great games from PFF. No, um, just pulled it up. This is his game-by-game basis, his PFF grade. 57.3, know, if you consider 60s decent, yeah, he's definitely he's playing more consistent now than he has all year. That's a plus, right? His best game came in week 12 against Detroit at a 71.3. But yeah, he's put in back to back to back 60 plus games. It's just, we're, we're getting to the point now, Doug, where we're, we're settling on sixties being okay. That's good enough. It's not good enough. Like we have, you guys know, and and I, I'm, I feel really confident saying the coaching staff and Brian Gutekunst doesn't put the same amount of stock in a free safety as I do. I just look around the league and go, okay, the best defenses in the league, do they have good free safeties? And by free safeties, meaning a large majority of the time when they run a spinner play to where you just got a single high middle field close, do they have a good safety play in middle field deep, what I call center field? And the question is yes, or the answer is yes. Almost always they've got a good safety, not maybe not, maybe not even great, but someone who's grading out around 70, right, on the year. And it's just something I don't I don't understand the whole Rudy Ford thing, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna look his grade up because maybe maybe I am overlooking that, and uh, he's you know played bad here of lately. I don't know. Let's see if we can find Rudy Ford. I think it's just tough. We haven't had any consistency at that position group. You know, the guys have been rotated in and out so much that it's hard to really All right have All right. anything to build on. You know, and then you 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 know add in the injury factor that doesn't help either you're trying you know half the year is trying to get back from injury and then you know half of your your game your game experience is trying to get back up to speed and you know it's just you're discombobulated would be the, the word i would use is just it's hard to have any kind of rhythm when you're playing uh musical yeah. chairs back there right there's limited to no continuity mm-hmm. um all right so rudy ford grades on the year okay and then his snaps dropped to 7-3. He went back up to 62 against Tampa and went back down to 7. So let's pick back up where we ended with the 65.4 in Week 8, starting in Week 10, 54.8. 61.5, 63.1, 51.0, 61.9. So if you remove the single-digit snap games, okay, his grades pretty much are 52.1, See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Look at how all over the place those mm-hmm. grades are. Yep. And he his stint was from week three to week eight, he was solid. So you had literally, what, five straight weeks of solid play from Rudy Ford. And then he got the injury, and he hasn't been really reestablished as the starter since, uh, yep. other than the Tampa Bay game, which I think there was an injury that forced that. So it, it honestly, to me, feels like there's something behind the scenes with Rudy Ford. And I've heard a couple of locker room interviews with him early in the year. It was coming out of training camp. He looked like he was agitated that they weren't naming him a starting safety yet. 
I don't. Maybe there's something there we're not seeing. Here's the you thing. Know, maybe this this makes me think about because we've talked about this with with other players, right? We talked about um, you know Quay being a Sam and then coming here and he's they want him to be the Mike. Um, you know, we've talked about guys that play the boundary. We want them to play slot or we we you right. know maybe there's that's the issue it's like are these guys feeling like hey man you know this is what i bring to the table and then i'm being asked to do all this other stuff and then i try to do it i don't do it very well because this it's not really my my style and then i get benched right <laughs> you know what i mean right. it, yeah. it's, it'd be like asking anders carlson to you know go under center and play quarterback and then we get upset that he's not throwing the ball very well, you know. So I mean, maybe maybe that's where some of this frustration comes from. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I do think you need to work to be versatile as a player. I don't care what position you play. Um, you know, you you can't just be an edge rusher. You can't just be, you know, a boundary corner. We need you to, you know, have some versatility in your game. But I think to punish a player as he's trying to develop that is kind of foolish. Um, yeah. and you need to give guys time to develop those skill sets that you're trying to add, add to their game. So maybe that's some of that frustration. It could be. And, you know, one of the things that bothers me about how Green Bay kind of drafts is it's like they, they make the decision coming out of the draft. Okay. Yes. He played this position, but we're going to put him here and we're going to make him into this. We're going to mold him into this. And it seems like more times than not, it just doesn't happen. That's the frustrating part. Omer in the chat says Savage was so hot coming out of college, then disappointing uh, considering that fact. Yeah, he was he was one of those guys that had all the athletic ability in the world, right? Had the coolest football name coming in. I know that as a Packer fan, I was so excited about that football name. <laughs> I'm just being real. It's like you want a defender that's going to uh, that's going to be able to to uh, to play defense and a, and a hard hitter whose name is Savage. I'm sorry, that's just like the perfect football name. It sounds silly, but it is what it is. Um, here we go. Carly Ray makes a great point. And these are the type of things that need to be mentioned. Carly Ray says, and maybe Russell's trade affected him too. Anyone who at this point thinks that trading Russell Douglas did not affect this team in a negative way, they just got their head in the dirt. I mean, it's it, it's so obvious. He, you've seen him. He was the one holding people accountable on defense. He was the one jumping up and pointing and screaming. And I know fans don't like to see that. You don't believe me. Roll back the tape to last year. Anytime Aaron Rodgers did anything but smile, he was being an a-hole. But it's like when there's mistakes being made on the field, you need players that are going to hold each other accountable. You need that. You've seen Jordan do it a couple times this year. And people, they don't mention it. I'm glad he's doing it. You've seen you know, him out a couple times. It's funny you bring up Aaron Rodgers because we were talking yesterday about, you know, Aaron's, uh, you know, comments about what, what Ja was saying last year. And now you look at the relationship that Rodgers and Rasul had, totally different, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Rodgers and Rasul, you know, spoke very highly of the way uh, Rasul was leading out on that field and in that locker room. Um, so it makes sense, you know, you see – you see that leadership and we're seeing we're seeing the drastic hole that has been left by trading him for, you know, five bucks in a bag of footballs, you know. So, right. That, right. Not really. Uh, not it doesn't look like a good move. It really doesn't. She said Murph in the chat said Savage flourished un in Petten's system, struggles in Barry's system. Let's look at how he's graded out over his career, because that I've, I've heard many people say that um, Murph. So when we look at how he graded out his rookie year, 67.1, his 2020, uh, his 2020 season, 75.3, right? 
2021, we bring in Barry, 58.5, 47.5, and now a a 65.9 on the year here in 2023. So I think there's a lot of merit to that. There is. Murph on the the nose with that one for sure. Yep. So, you know, if we change it up, you know, Mike Pettin came from the whole school of thought from Rex Ryan, right? That was his whole approach was he coached under Rex Ryan, if I remember correctly. He uh, he was the D.C., I think, for Rex Ryan with the Jets and then took the head coaching job in Cleveland. And, of course, was a horrible head coach. You know, some great D.C.s are bad head coaches. People forget he's in Minnesota right now. B-Flow is getting all the credit for all that success up there with that defense in, in Minnesota. People forget that Mike Pettin's the assistant head coach. And that defense turned around the second they brought him in. Um, now, obviously, Zimmer gets canned and they keep petting on. Um, I think that may prove to be one of uh, Matt LaFleur's biggest mistakes as a head coach so far is for whatever reason deciding to fire Mike Pettin. Now, there's going to be fans that pretend like they weren't screaming for Mike Pettin's head, right? <laughs> I remember. I have a good memory. It was the same thing as it was when, when you seen when you seen San Francisco run all over them, it was fire Mike Pettin, fire Mike Pettin, just like it was fire Dom Capers, fire Dom Capers, just like it's fire Joe Barry, fire Joe Barry. So, um, but you're right. Murph, uh, Savage definitely played better in Petten's system. Um, Savage is practicing this week. Maybe he'll come out and ball out, right? Had had a, a couple of good games this year. He hasn't been able to play up to that level. I know this. The coaching staff believes in him. The front office believes in him, Tim. Like, there's no two ways about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nine million reasons to believe in him. Yeah, right at eight. Yeah, like it was – I think it's seven – Seven million, million reasons. 7.9, yeah. What's a million million dollars amongst friends, right? <laughs> it ain't what it used to be, Clayton. Hey, you got that right. What are you trying to say? Don't get into it. Don't get into it. Um, so, when we look at – we're almost out of time here. I'm going to try to rattle through it real quick. I want to I want to hit on their defense real quick, okay? Their defensive identity. Um, they're in base defense only 5% of the time. That's 30th highest in the league. That suggests that they play a little big nickel. Okay, little big nickel. That sounds funny, doesn't it? That suggests like a rapper name. Yeah, it does. That that suggests to me that even though people are in their 21 and 12 personnel, sometimes they like to go to big nickel because it's technically nickel, which they're in 67% of the time. That's 18th most in the league. They play dime 26% of the time. That's second highest in the league. Second highest in the league, they're in dime, which essentially nickel, five DBs, dime is six DBs. Okay, just, you know, typically in a dime set, you've got one inside linebacker, four pass rushers, uh, you know, being interior defensive line edge, whatever you want to call them. And then you've got six DBs. All right. They face gap run uh, 16 percent of the time and they're dead last against gap run zone run. They face 84 percent of the time and they're first at stopping the zone. You want to know why they're so good? I'm sorry. First at running are playing against zone run. They played a lot of zone, a lot of zone run. Their, their EPA is 21st. You want to know why that they run zone the majority of the time? Because they face zone the majority of the time on defense. And typically when you when you see other teams that are able to do something or they're leaning on it more, it's a copycat league. I mean that, that the the league has went the zone run really, really heavy. Really heavy. Yep. Now is it cyclical? Will it come back around? We'll find out. Man coverage, they're in man coverage only 11% of the time. That's 31st in the league. So what are we going to see? Everybody's screaming about how awesome this defense is for the Vikings, right? And how we need someone like Beeflo who's going to be aggressive and play man coverage. Yeah, well, look at that. They're the in zone coverage 68% of the time. 
Got you it. Go. Second most in the league. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> they bring three rushers 22% of the time. Three rushers. This is an aggressive defense, and they are. They're aggressive. But they're only bringing three rushers 22% of the time. That's the most in the league, right? Now, they also bring six rushers the most in the league at 26%. So what's that tell you? They're either blitzing or they're playing coverage. What is it that we've been doing a lot of? We've been playing a lot of bringing five rushers, right? When we blitz, we're kind of bringing five right in the middle. So if you back up three rushers 22% of the time, that's most in the league. Uh, four rushers 30% of the time, that is dead last in the league. Uh, five rushers 20% of the time, that's 14th. And then six rushers 26% of the time, that's first in the league. So just to kind of show you, they're either firing a ton of people or they're dropping everybody into coverage. And their dime is something that uh, that they lean on a lot, 26%. So uh, let's see here. Pressure. They get pressure on the quarterback 33% of the time. That's 25th in the league. They're not great at pressuring the quarterback, but when you blitz that many people, that's why you're hitting home. Middle field closed. They run that 42% of the time. That's 20, 21st in the league. They run middle field open 37% of the time. That's 24th in the league. Let's look at what they do well and what they do bad, Tim. In their base defense, their EPA is seventh. Okay. Um, make sure that's right. Yes. Their nickel defense is 17th in EPA. So they're having more success out of their base. All right. Um, when you look at their dime coverage, their or their dime sets, they're 20th in EPA. All right. When you go to gap run, their EPA against the gap run, fifth in the league against zone, it's 21st. When you go to man coverage, when they're in man, you want to know why they're not running man? You want to know why I get so angry when we play man coverage and fans called for it all year last year? Because they're, they're getting lit up. They're dead last when they play man coverage, according to EPA, 32nd in the league. Zone, they're 16th. Um, when they bring three rushers, the EPA is 13th. Four rushers, they're actually 7th in EPA, although they do it dead last as far as the amount that they just bring four rushers. Um, now, five rushers, 27th in EPA, six rushers, 22nd in EPA. Pressure, um, when they get pressure, they're 27th in EPA, which means teams are picking them apart when they, even when they get pressure on the quarterback. Middle field close, when they're middle field close, they're 13th in EPA. When they're middle field open, they're 27th. So that's your defensive identity for the Minnesota Vikings. Anything you want to add there, Tim? Uh, no, no, I think we covered it. We're coming down a stretch here. We're going, to, we're going to get it in. We're going to talk about these personnel settings here. So when we're in our 12 personnel, here's the matchups across the board, okay, from left to right, offensive line, Rasheed Walker, 65.3, Elton Jenkins, 65.9, Josh Myers, 58.1. He's now down to 26th, uh, lowest, I should say, greatest uh, graded uh, center. It's actually highest, but 58.1. He's 26th ranked across the league. John Runyon, 53.3. That's 58th at guard. And then Zach Tom just continuing to be steady Eddie, 76.5, 15th highest tackle in the league. Of course, that would put him somewhere around the top seven. I think they, I think he's still in the top five amongst right tackles in the league, according to PFF. You've got Tucker Craft at 60.9. He continues to raise that PFF grade. He's now 33rd in the league. So excited about him, especially with Musgrave possibly getting healthy too. Josiah DeGuara still at 53.0. We've got to find us a true H-back, man. Um, now, when you look at their defensive front, they run a 34 front. I know many people are saying we should go to a 43. That's the problem. You see Minnesota. Everybody loves this Minnesota defense, and they're running a 34 as well. At right outside linebacker, Jones the second, 34.9, dead last edge 
in the league. Uh, we'll see if he's playing. I'm not sure exactly how the injuries play a role in that. Day uh, at right end, I think he was on the injury list, if I remember correctly, 62.8. Phillips in the middle at nose, 58.6. Bullard at 54.2. And then, of course, you've got Daniil Hunter um, at left outside linebacker at 76.6. Pretty solid year there, 30th highest graded edge defender in the league. Definitely a starting caliber. Some would say a true number one edge defender. He's got a lot of sack numbers, but Daniil Hunter, that's kind of been the knock against him as he – he grades out a little bit lower in some of the other aspects of the game, but he does uh, have high sack totals for sure. When you look at their linebacking position, Hicks at inside linebacker, 75.2. Pace Jr. at 75.7. They're solid in the middle. The weak side of this defense is going to be the left side. Of course, you got Bonham that plays free safety at 76.7. And then you've got um, Harrison Smith who can come down and play in the box. He's a big box defender, 71.6 at safety. Um Let's kind of back up here. Let me get your take on this front five, Tim. Uh, as far as the matchup there outside of Daniil Hunter, the linebackers are what making this defense go um, there And the, when you kind of look at the box defenders, aren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we would like our guys graded in the mid-70s or higher, you know, in a perfect world. Uh, that would be Quay and Zay grading that way. But, yeah, I look at the middle of the field, man. It's going to be tough, man. Those linebackers are playing well. And then, yeah, look at the safety play. You know, these guys are grading out, you know, Harrison Smith grading into 71.6 this year is actually probably kind of low for him. Um, but that dude is a threat no matter what what year it is, what type of season he's having, um, you know, solid back there. Uh, this is going to be it's going to be a challenge for us guys um, offensively in this game. But I think we can get it done. Uh, we just have to uh, attack in the right spots. You know, I, I definitely think. uh Again, we got a target to the boundary here when we look at this. Yeah, it sure seems like it. And uh, work the left side of that run, yep. heavy zone left. And when they put a safety in the box, can out of it and attack through the air, that's, that's probably what it's going to come down to. But when you look at the matchups on the edge, we're talking about as far as the outside of the perimeter, Romeo Dobbs, 69.8 for the Packers. Dontavian Wicks is now 76.6, 27th highest graded wide receiver in the league. That is our number one receiver, guys. I don't care what anyone says. He is our number one receiver. Let's hope he can get healthy. I want to see him have the – I want to see him have every snap that he can possibly get this rookie year and set himself up to be an absolute stud next year. The future's bright, man. He really mm -hmm. is. Jordan Love, 78.4. He's now the 15th highest-graded quarterback in the league. Um, he continues to, to play solid. I think last week he was, uh, he was at like 77, so he raised another – point, point and a half. Aaron Jones had his best game of the year. I think we would all agree he looked like the old Aaron Jones for the first time. 65.9, he seems to be healthy. That could be huge in this game. Working a little RPO action off the left side kind of gets me excited in this game. Now, when you look at their DBs, Evans on the boundary over there, um, he is 62.6. Uh, on the other side, you've got Blackman at 78.1, having a great year there. And then, of course, like we said, Harrison Smith at strong safety, 71.6, and Bonham at a 76 Point seven. When we trigger our 11 personnel, which throws their nickel out there, um, I, I can't say see the name exactly. Is that Metellus? Is that what that says? Tim? That's what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. Metellus is grading oh. out as the 22nd highest corner in the league. Um, they've actually got it listed as a safety there of 22 of 95 safeties, which is interesting. That kind of suggests that as they're blitzing, they may be belling him out and he's truly playing safety at times. I could be wrong. Go watch the tape yourself. I definitely don't have the time to dig into all the Vikings state, 
But 72.7, man, that's a solid PFF grade there. Obviously, Jaden Reed being healthy, he's our primary slot receiver, 70.2, having a great year grading out 47th highest. So essentially what you got there is Wicks being a true number one and Reed and Dobbs being good number two wide receivers. So the uh, the young wide receiver room's looking good. Now, when you look at how this nickel may play here, uh, play a role in that, putting him down there into the box and playing nickel, that kind of shores up you trying to run out of 11 personnel. If we go back to the uh, – not the – yeah, was it the identity? Yeah. I want to look at this real quick. So, remember, they play a lot of dime, right? We talked about that, second highest uh, amount of dime. Maybe that's where that corner comes in and he's playing safety. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, that could be kind of the case there when he's lining up in the quote-unquote slot slash, uh, slash safety. So, um, just wanted to kind of take a quick peek there with all that information we just talked about. Percentage rank, again, they play zone second most. They're blitzing more than anyone with six-plus rushers, which means they're playing a a lot of zone blitz is what they're doing. This could be a big, big opportunity for Jordan Love. This might be a breakout game for Jordan Love because if they're going to be playing zone blitz, right, and obviously they're going to try to trick Jordan. Jordan has protected the ball so well. What does he got now, Tim? Is it 11 touchdowns and one interception here lately? Something like that on this run, yeah. So if he continues – to ball out like that. They go middle field close and middle field open pretty evenly there. They're 21st and 20 and 24th in that regard. Um, EPA with middle field close are a little bit better. That's probably a lot of that zone blitzing that's going on. Um, what's their EPA? Let's look at this real quick. In zone, their EPA is 16th in zone. And when they bring five or more rushers, it's 27th and 22nd. So you're seeing they live by the sword early on in the year and they're dying by the sword right now. They're getting kind of picked apart. So yep. Um, I'm eager to see what happens there. Now, when we looked at the summary, I want to pull this up because look at their schedule. I triggered their schedule on the right. Look at look at that stint there in the middle where they went win, loss, win, 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 win. They won five in a row, right? Went on a run. Loss, loss, win, loss, loss. Okay, and when you look at the scores there, look at how many points the opposing team scored. Detroit scored 30. Uh, Cincinnati scored 27. Um, they held the Raiders to three and they won that game. It's just mind-boggling to me. Um, the Bears only scored 12 points, and the Broncos scored 21. That kind of started that little skid here. I'd be hammering the over in this game. With the way our defense is struggling and how they're struggling here of late, I'd probably be ham- ham- hammering that that over once again. And what is the over? Let me go back to the green line real quick. Again, don't take this as betting advice, just something to, to take into consideration of how they played here lately. I wouldn't be surprised you come out and it's a 13 to 10 game either. It is the NFL. But when you look at the over under, it is on this page, is it not? Yeah, here we go. 46.5. So 46 and a half points is the over under. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. You could hit that over there. So anyway, that's got it, guys. That's the summary essentially. Other than this one last thing, quarterback comparison, I just wanted to point it out real quick. Jordan Love 78.4, Nick Mullins 52.9. So just something to uh, to kind of take uh, take with you on the way out. Tim, parting thoughts, man. We got through it, dude. Look at us staying on topic. I apologize for ignoring the chat, guys. Um, I just, you know, one second I got people saying, hey, I want you to dive deep into, into the stats, into the analytics. The next second I got people saying, hey, you need to focus on the chat. So I'm trying to find that happy medium. You guys, thank you for your grace as we try to find the sweet spot here. We leaned on the chat heavy last night, and I got roasted for it, so. Um, we'll continue to do the best we can in that regard. So anyway, Tim, parting thoughts, boy. Um, I think talking about Jordan Love here, having, uh, you know, potential for a big game. 
Um, I see it. And I think we can directly attribute that success and growth to Jordan Love's pre-snap reads. Um, he's diagnosing much better than he was in the earlier parts of the season. Um, and he's coupling that with better post-snap reads, um, getting the ball out a little quicker. We still see it at times that he's throwing that swing pass late um, or hesitating to throw a check down or hesitating to get rid of it. But not as much as we saw early on, especially during that four-game skid where he was just standing in there getting getting smacked around. Um, right. We don't see that anymore. And I think that's where we're finding more success recently here with our offense is because, you know, you see it, you got to say it. Jordan's seeing it. He's, hey, can, can, you know, alert, alert. And, you know, the boys are ready. And he is. You know, we saw that early on. He was he was checking to the run when he should have stayed with the pass. And he was, you know, checking to a pass when we should have stayed to the run. He was late we're not seeing that now. Now we're seeing he's reading. And, you know, we have to remember there's a reason why we're biting our nails going, okay, dude, snap the ball. There's There's two seconds on the play clock. It's like you need every single tick of that play clock to get a read on that defense. You know, I look more at when are we breaking the huddle? Are we breaking the huddle with enough time to get lined up and see what they're doing? And um, I think at this point, this offense is starting to put that, those kind of things together. And um, this game is going to come down to that because like you said, Clayton, they're going to throw these, these looks at him and uh, you know, maybe disguise coverages, you know, you may see Harrison Smith drop down uh, from time to time and try to bait Jordan into some of these, uh, you know, misused checks and i think jordan's been all over it lately so uh hopefully we see more of that on sunday night there's going to be some sugar going on there's no doubt about it and harrison smith you heard aaron Rodgers say it last year harrison smith is the absolute best in the league at sugar at disguising looks um he's just so confident in his ability to get to his spot he'll be in the a gap one second covering center field the next he's just he's really really good at doing that andy a chat Andy APAC in the chat says, man, I need a cup of diesel. Says, How do you guys wake up this early? Just worked out and I feel like death. I'll tell you how we do it. We don't work out, my man. You know <laughs> <laughs> so appreciate you swinging through, Andy. You're awesome, dude. Uh, Mike Hebring in the chat says, Keyshawn Nixon is literally the only player in the NFL actually returning kickoffs. He has 738 yards on 28 attempts. Uh, the second player in the league has 391 on 15 attempts. All going according to plan, right? They want to get rid of the kickoff, so that's. I just, I want to, I want him to just be a kickoff returner, man. That that whole experiment with the slots over, it is like at some point. I have a hard time believing there's no one else that's available right now in free agency or anything, and all year long. And you guys know, listen, this is not me going. Ah, they shouldn't have done this. Like I knew, I was excited about this experiment going into the season. I was completely wrong. This completely flopped, and I, and I was the biggest believer in, hey, he's a football. He just looks like he's got a knack for finding the ball. He's a hard hitter. His tackling has been horrible this year, right? But as far as kick returns, I mean, let's just let him focus on kick and punt returns, right? That's uh, that's kind of how I'm – that's where I'm at here with the Keyshawn Nixon thing. Maybe this is the week that we, we see Long come into play. Long, to the best of my knowledge, is still the highest-graded corner on this roster, the guy that they picked up a couple weeks ago. And he's played this year, so um, on on another team. So just uh, something to keep in mind there. Derek Case says, "What about Chair? 
Get out of here. Oh, you're going to get them stirred up, buddy. You're going to get them stirred up. Drew D said, honestly, no matter what happens, this was a successful season. We said we wanted to know if love is the guy, and we figured that out. Now our goals have shifted to playoffs, baby. It's, it's so awesome, Drew. I'm so glad you bring it back into perspective, man, because it, six to ten wins. Hey, six to ten wins is what we're expecting. Anything over six, you're playing with the house's money. The fact that it's – guys, we're in December and we have meaningful football. That's why I get extremely pissed off when the gatekeepers say, can we stop talking about playoffs? You can stop talking about them. Yeah, you can just sure stop they, talking all together. We'd be happy. <laughs> I'm sure glad they didn't stop talking about them in 2010. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, there was no one that was going to Packers as a team to beat here. There was nobody saying that until we won in Philly and then we won in Atlanta. And then it was like, oh, wait, we might, yeah. Then we won in Chicago, right? And then all of a sudden you you come out and you pretty much dominated Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. Yep. I'm not suggesting this is a Super Bowl you know, caliber team. I'm just simply pointing out nobody was saying that in 2010. And these yep. gatekeepers have got to stop, man. They got and to it stop. ain't over till it's over. And, and we know what we control, which is winning our, our games. That's all, all this team can do. You got to win. Absolutely. My cat bringing the chat says, F the chat haters. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think there needs to be a good blend of it all, Mike. You know, um, I've got to stop caring so much about what other people think as far as advice on the show. You know, um, I think we got a good thing going. And the reason I know that's because the good feedback we get. And and also when I end the show, when I get up in the morning, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to do good morning Lambo. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to talking ball with y'all. And to me, that's all that matters. If there's one person, five people in here hanging out with us while we're talking ball. It's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. To me. So, um, you know, last night it's, it's funny. I was telling Tim offline. It's like, you know, I, I left, I left the title the same because people were complaining about me not changing the title. I see people. It was one person. Um, <laughs> and lo and behold, we, we kept the title the same. We come in here and we had over a hundred people live, live viewing. And it was great conversation about Jair, right? It was a good in-depth conversation about it. So, um, I think we're doing doing something right. She said, Murph said, I've been screaming that too, PTA Clay. Put Long in and Keyshawn on kick return. What do we got to lose, right, Murph? I mean, mm -hmm. the worst thing that could happen, he could grade out in the 40s and go, okay, Keyshawn got burnt man coverage. He got burnt in zone last week. The corner route right at the end of the game. I'm pretty yeah. sure that zone, if I remember correctly, I need to go back and watch it again. But he got burnt on a corner route, and everybody's going, how in the world does Barry let them get out of bounds there? I promise you Barry wasn't going, guys, don't worry about the out-of-bounds line. <laughs> it's just not working. I think Long could play, you know, just as good as any of these corners. That goes for Valentine. That goes for Valentine, everybody. Because, again, I think he's grading out in the mid mid to upper 60s. He's the highest graded corner in our cornerback room right now. So, there you go. Um, we got uh, people, people singing it in here, so let's hit it one time. John Deere Green on a hot summer night. Hero Billy Bob loves Charlene. I always want to end it right after John Deere Green, but man, he just he says Charlene so country. I can't <laughs> pass it up, right? And uh, I do want to do this. Yeah, we don't we don't want to forget the true MVP there in 2006, Mr. Fiddles, Christmas MVP. I mean. Man, I should have saved that video of that dude getting attacked by that cat on Christmas. That was a solid performance there. Sure. Love to see his PFF grade. Might have got away with illegal hands to the face, but um, it was close. I need to Photoshop that in. I need to go back to 2006 PFF grades. I don't even know if they had them in 2006. 
but uh, need to Photoshop in and put Mr. Kittles in there somewhere, like a 92 elite grade, right? So there you go. All right, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate y'all. You guys are awesome. Um, we will be back tonight for PTA Live. We're going to try to get – we're going to effort uh, – Paul Brettel, try to get him in here to uh, to straighten us out a little bit on the week that was and the week that might be. And then, of course, uh, if we've got time, we're going to get Chalk Talk put together. I've, I've basically got everything charted out. I got the 17-place pick. I got to cut them up, add in all the text. It's It takes time. So forgive me if we don't get to Chalk Talk until Friday or Saturday, okay? But I'm going to do my very best to get that put up to get put together. Like Tim suggested, we may go a little long tonight. We might do Chalk Talk after Paul Brettel. There's a possibility of that. But I got to run into town and then get back in time to, to make that happen. So – like I said, guys, we're we're doing our best to to keep everything kind of rolling along here. Um, I'm not going to BS you. Fatigue has set in a bit. <laughs> doing two shows a day every day for an entire NFL season for the most yep. part, um, it's starting to set in. So we're going to try to finish strong here, as Lombardi used to say. But we're out of here. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go back, go. <laughs>